Brian McClanahan Show, episode 322. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. You'll find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. And when you do enroll, you get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. And of course, you get the best deals on forthcoming courses. Right now, I'm running a sale. If you're getting this on July 9th, this is the last day on my newest course, The Founding Fathers. I've also got the other classes on sale too. So you want to pick that up. So if you're in McClanahan Academy and you're on the email list, whether it's my Brian McClanahan email list or my McClanahan Academy email list, you get those deals. If you're not, you don't. So you're going to want to get on those email lists. You get free stuff and you get good stuff in return. And of course, you support the podcast by buying some of those courses. It's great stuff. You can also support the show by going to LearnTrue, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. I also teach there. You can support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. You can also click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get your Brian McClanahan Show logo on all kinds of cool stuff. You can also get the Think Locally, Act Locally logo. So lots of great ways to support the show. And of course, if you do like what I do, share it around on social media, rate it wherever you get your podcasts. That helps expand the audience comment, send me show suggestions, do anything you can do to try to be engaged with the show. Again, I may not respond back to you, but I do read your emails. So uh, I, I do appreciate any contribution you can have to the program. This program is for you. I make it for you. So I want you involved. All right. Well, this is actually a listener-generated episode in a way. Uh, I was sent this information. I, I didn't go and look at it myself because I wouldn't look at it myself. I knew what it was going to be, but... I think that it's, it's great show fodder for this particular reason. This individual has a huge following. Not as much as it once was. I have actually been on his network and written for his magazine. It's unfortunate where this individual has gone in their ideological trajectory. Because there was so much promise to do and go the right way. And I don't know where they get where he gets the wrong way from. I mean, where where if he's reading the documents, now I, I do know his influence is extremely horrible, and I've done a podcast on that too. Uh, in terms of historical interpretation. Um, I don't know where he went wrong except in that way. And I'm talking about Glenn Beck. So on July 4th, Glenn Beck did a program, and I mentioned that uh, you know restoring the covenant was, and I did a podcast on this, was going to be something that he did at Gettysburg, and of course it was canceled, but he did a video, two and a half hours, which I suffered through parts of it because I would do that for you. Two and a half hours of pure nationalist Lincolnian propaganda. 
And this is something that I've talked about a lot on this particular show. It's why my theme is Think Locally, Act Locally. Because the real threat to America, the real threat to real America, is nationalism. If you look at what's happening across the United States, and you look at, just take the the George Floyd situation, which again happened in Minnesota. What does that have to do with Confederate monuments in Alabama? Zero. It has nothing to do with any of that. The individual who was involved in that, who has been arrested and charged, was not an Alabamian. He wasn't a Virginian. He wasn't a South Carolinian. He wasn't any of those things. He lived in Minnesota, a place where there are zero Confederate monuments. I know there's one in Illinois. I don't think there's any in Minnesota. Now, George Floyd was from Texas, but he had moved to Minnesota. And it's ironic, a man who had a criminal record, of course, in Texas, getting away from that, trying to start afresh, trying to start anew in in Minnesota, is then allegedly the victim of a hate crime in Minnesota, which is not supposed to have any type of racism whatsoever. Now, that aside... The question is, what does Minnesota have to do with Alabama? The answer, again, is nothing, zero. But when you invest in nationalism, when you invest in Lincolnian nationalism, then the answer is Minnesota has everything to do with Alabama because that's my country. And because I live in Minnesota and that Confederate monument a thousand miles away is there, it offends me. And so it has to go because that's my country. That represents me. And I think Glenn Beck is one of the greatest purveyors of this type of nonsense on the right. And when you watch this program, two and a half hours, he has it for free on his website. Two and a half hours, there are sections of music, and that's fine. But the historical interpretation is so bad that I laughed through most of it. It's just downright awful. I mean, Miranda's Hamilton is better than Glenn Beck's interpretation of history. And that's saying something, because I've been very critical of the Hamilton musical, which, I mean, there are some parts of it that are fine. But even people on the left are coming out and saying, wait a second here, Hamilton, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a new hashtag out there, cancel Hamilton, because Hamilton was involved in slave trading. His family, he was married into a family of slave owners, so we got to get rid of Hamilton. Well, I think we should get rid of Hamilton for all kinds of other reasons, but uh, Hamilton is a problem as well. So when you watch this little interpretive two and a half hours and you go through it, if you were, if you were the Joe Conservative Inc. guy on the street, like, uh, you know, yeah, America, rah, rah, and you watch this thing, be like, yeah, yeah, this is what we got. Because what you get out of that is that New England is the center of America. New England is America. Now, I will agree with Glenn Beck on this. New England nowadays is the center of America, and it's the major problem. Because... If New England was not the center of America, we would not be seeing things the way they are today. New Englanders try to escape New England because they know it's awful. The government there is oppressive. The culture there is oppressive at times. They know they don't want to be around it, so they go to other places. The climate is terrible. And yet they bring New England with them and they make everything else like New England. And there are some parts I want to talk about here that are just so bad that they need to be brought up. And the first is this. Beck begins the show, begins this two-and-a-half-hour program, of course, at his ranch, which, uh, I mean, most people would only dream of owning this much land. And this is his sacred place. For, he's got little cabins. I mean, all kinds of things all over the place out there. 
Uh, it's, it's a huge compound uh, just for Glenn Beck. So most Americans would only dream of owning something like this. Uh, and this is his refuge, and this was a refuge for these people. It was on Shoshone land and all these things and all this stuff. So in that way, I mean, is Glenn Beck, you know, committing a, a crime by living on Shoshone land? Obviously, Supreme Court thinks that half the state of Oklahoma now is Creek land. Um, but regardless, I was, uh, I was watching this, and then he gets into the, the uh, manifest destiny of America. And he doesn't use those ter that term in this particular part of it. But he talks about the pilgrims. And you see, to Glenn Beck, America starts with the pilgrims in 1620. It doesn't start with Jamestown in 1607. And he said this on his programs many times, that Jamestown is evil and Plymouth is good. And I've heard this not just from Glenn Beck, but from other evangelical Christians. Jamestown were a bunch of evil, orthodox heathens and... Plymouth is good. Plymouth was the real starting point of America. It's just so fundamentally wrong that uh, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. So in, in Beck's telling, which also is, is heavily influenced by David Barton, which is the wall builders, which is a major problem. In Beck's telling of American history, America begins in 1620, and everything is built off of that Plymouth landing. Democracy, self-government. I mean, look at all the things he says we wouldn't have without the Pilgrims. Why, gosh, we wouldn't have the Bushes. We wouldn't have the Adamses. Oh, no. I don't know what I would do without George H.W. Bush and George W. Bush as presidents of the United States. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that just be a terrible thing? I don't know what I would have done without John Adams, who signed into law one of the most egregious pieces of federal legislation in the early federal period, the Alien Sedition Acts. What would we have done without John Adams? Now, Adams, as I bring up in my Founding Fathers class, is a sympathetic character at times. I mean, look, there are things I, I like about John Adams, but the real rubber hit the road in America, not in New England, but in Virginia. And Virginia was first in everything. In fact, you wouldn't even have had a Plymouth without a Virginia because it was the Virginia Company originally that was involved in bringing people to New England. But not only that, that was considered Virginia. And these people were going to Virginia. They just got off course and they landed up in New England. A place that had been so described by, of course, John Smith, um, uh, Virginian. You see, the first elected legislative assembly took place in Virginia. The first Thanksgiving, which Beck is heavy on. I mean, this is what most of this program is about, is American religion, is in not Plymouth, but Virginia. And Barclay 100, Virginia, in 1619, a year before the Pilgrims even landed, you have the first Thanksgiving in Virginia. Virginia was first in everything. And yet, to Beck and to the wall builder American nationalists, it's the problem with everything. He also says, we wouldn't have had Webster's Dictionary. Well, shucks. What could we have done without Webster's Dictionary? I know. How about the Oxford English Dictionary, which is a million times better? Darn it. No Webster's Dictionary. No New York Times. <gasps> Oh my gosh, no Franklin Roosevelt without the Pilgrims. Could we have survived? 
This is the argument he makes for saying the Pilgrims are so important. One was really funny to me, though. We wouldn't have had Zachary Taylor without the Pilgrims. Now, Zachary Taylor, if just by saying that, we think, well, Zachary Taylor must have been born in New England. No, no, no. Uh, Zachary Taylor was born in Virginia. He's a Virginian. And not just that, Zachary Taylor's, Beck doesn't mention this, Zachary Taylor's son, Richard Taylor, was a Confederate general. Zachary Taylor's plantation was plundered by the Union that Beck so gloriously celebrates during the war. They went into Louisiana and plundered everything. That's why we don't have much of a record of Zachary Taylor, because the Union decided to just plunder and pillage and burn it. Beck's glorious Union. Then you've got a segment on there, which I thought was really hilarious because Beck undermines his own position about the gloriousness of New England when he brings up the tune, the hymn, Amazing Grace. Now, he's correct in, the, in his original interpretation of the tune, the hymn itself, the lyrics to it. I'll talk about the tune in a second. The lyrics to it, which, of course, was written by uh, John Newton. He was an infamous slave trader and. Uh, who wrote the hymn as a redemptive piece of Calvinist theology. Uh, If you you really read the lyrics to the hymn carefully, it's Calvinism. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amazing grace. Grace alone saved him. Now, that's not in line with orthodox theology, which also calls not just for grace, but other things to save people. But regardless, this became an important hymn all around the world. In fact, it's the most well-known piece of Western civilization across the globe, because anywhere you have Christianity, you're going to have amazing grace. That's a wonderful story, and it's true. And he talks about the Creek, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Cherokee Indians sang Amazing Grace, even though they were slave owners on the Trail of Tears. What people don't realize is that the melody for that tune was written by a Southerner, a man named Singing Billy Walker of South Carolina, whose brother-in-law, Benjamin Franklin White, was also a musician. They wrote, and and, uh, of course, minister, but they wrote many, many tunes that are performed around the United States and Christian churches everywhere. And both of these men were Southerners, and both of them supported the South in the war because they were both alive during that time period. They supported the South. Benjamin Franklin White ended up in Georgia, in a place just a little bit north of Columbus, Georgia, called Whitesville, Georgia. He had a little church there uh, singing Billy Walker, was in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So the backcountry of South Carolina. And his original hymn, was, hymn book was called The Southern Harmony and later Musical Companion. And the Black Crows, you know, a great uh, 1990s Southern rock band, entitled their second album that, The Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. It comes from Benjamin, uh, I'm sorry, comes from singing Billy Walker. So the melody that we recognize with Amazing Grace, of course, is... Southern, written by a man who supported the South in the war. If Beck, I don't think Beck knows that. He didn't bring it up. Because, you see, the American story is intimately 
ingrained and built by the South. The first 80 years of American history are certainly Southern. You could even make a case that Lincoln, born in Kentucky, was Southern. And I mean, people tried to. Look, uh, uh, there were several, several people after the war who mentioned that the South would not have lost without the South. You know, men like uh, George Thomas and, of course, Abraham Lincoln, who were Southerners by birth, and uh, they certainly contributed to the defeat of the South. The South beat itself, in other words. The, the, uh, the thing you would get out of, out of Beck, and what I think the, the overall impression is, is that, of course, all of this, America, the, the great Americans are all honorary Yankees. Thomas Jefferson is an honorary Yankee. George Washington is an... You wouldn't, you wouldn't get the impression at all that George Washington was a man from Virginia. You would think he came from New England if you watch this particular program. And Beck's love of Lincoln is undermining his entire position on limited self-government, on the rule of law. His love affair with Lincoln is his greatest problem. Lincolnian nationalism is destroying America. I started with that, and I want to end again with that. Because you see... When Beck praises Lincoln, he is by default praising the big government of modern America. Lincoln, as Tom DiRenzo pointed out in his newest book, The Problem with Lincoln, is the most problematic president in American history. Not because he was the, the worst. I mean, I think you can make a case there are many other individuals who are worse than Lincoln. Um, but because... He set the stage, he provided the blueprint through the executive branch for so many other presidents who have followed, who have done abusive things with the Constitution. Now, you could point to Washington, you could point to Jackson, and I do that in my nine presidents who screwed up America. If you take my president's course at McClanahan Academy, I go through all the presidents, every single one, including Jefferson Davis, because he was an American president. But you see, this is the problem. Lincoln sets the stage for all of this nationalism, that has simply run over America. And what I mean by run over America? Well, if every problem is national in scope, which is what I mean, we think nowadays, if because I live in Minnesota, I have to change something in Alabama, that creates tremendous amounts of conflict. And one of the things I bring up in the Founding Fathers course is something that Governor Morris said, or Governor Morris of New York, however you want to say his name. Abigail Adams said it was pronounced governor. It's spelled like governor. But she... She brought up, or I'm sorry, he brought up the fact that, look, if we have incompatible things, this is in 1787 now, if we have incompatible things and let's part ways now as friends rather than try to force these things together, if, if the sections are really that incompatible, then we should not force each other to be together. And yet, this is what we try to do with Lincolnian nationalism on a regular basis. He had a little, Beck had a, a speaker on there, a woman, I don't know who she is, but she was at Gettysburg, and uh, she was talking about how, the impression you would get is that Americans were fighting some alien enemy. The Union were Americans. The other people were just the alien enemy. This is a conservative now. These people are all Americans, and Americans recognize that from the beginning, that somehow their cause, and they only show the graves of Massachusetts men, and this is about the sacred ground and Lincoln's Gettysburg Address and all the 
is complete propaganda. It was two and a half hours of Lincolnian propaganda. I don't think Abraham Lincoln could have done it better. What we really have is a federation of 50 states. Each state uh, has complete control over its police powers. Each state, as we're seeing with COVID and other things, has a lot of control over what it can do. I, uh, I liked a tweet by Michael Bolden, I think it was yesterday or today, where he said, hey, look, what do you all think? Those that you are in, against the 10th Amendment, or I think he said something to the effect of, uh, for us who have been talking about you know, federal control of education, because Trump has threatened to, to withhold education funds, what do you think about that 10th Amendment now? Sounds pretty good, right? Yeah. You see, this is the issue. Nationalism is the danger, not the solution to every problem in America. And some of the stuff Beck talks about in here, he might as well have had a leftist present it. I mean, it's really bad. This is what I said in, the, in Trump's monumental garden, the people that he selected to do it. You know the neoconservatives were writing this stuff because you might as well have had the left write it. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but Beck should know better. If you actually read the documents without having some presentist view of it. And not just that, if you didn't go into it trying to cherry pick like David Barton does, everything that fits your agenda. And he's already been, I mean, David Barton has already been uh, shown to be a fraud. If you don't go in and do that, then what you're going to get out of reading The Founding Generation is the exact opposite of what Glenn Beck has talked about for two and a half hours. Because to The Founding Generation, the most important thing to a man was federalism. Self-government local self-government. They only formed a union for specific delegated purposes, and that was commerce and defense. All else was left to the states, Southerners and Northerners, and they all knew it. He has a section where David Barton's son brings up the Declaration of Independence. He doesn't talk about the most important part of that document, which is the last paragraph. The fact that Roger Sherman sat on the committee, and Roger Sherman was one of the most committed New England states writers out there. I mean, Roger Sherman, even after the Constitution was ratified, didn't believe that the First Amendment applied to the state of Connecticut because the state of Connecticut, uh, when after that was, of course, added to the, to the document, the Bill of Rights, the state of Connecticut had a state-established church for years after that. So the real issue, when, I mean, look, I would avoid this two-and-a-half-hour nonsense like the plague, but if you want to watch it for a good laugh, go ahead and do it. It's really bad. It's really bad. And I wish that Beck could see through these things, that his greatest weakness is what he thinks is his greatest strength. His weakness is that he doesn't really understand the foundations of America. He doesn't understand the foundations of the federal republic, and he certainly doesn't understand that the founding generation to a man, if you look at the, present, the presentation of the, of the list of amendments to the Philadelphia Convention, to, to, uh, to the Congress, excuse me, the first Congress, was 10th Amendment first and foremost, because the states were concerned about the central government running roughshod over their control of the system. So, somebody sent this to me, they wanted me to comment on it, and... Here it is. I've already done a little bit of that, but I mean, now that he issued the program, it's just completely awful. Uh, and again, you're not going to win 
an argument with the left if you show them Glenn Beck's program. In fact, they're going to say, well, basically, you just proved everything we said. Now, Beck tries to make the case that he's, he's fighting against that and he's talking about, he talks a lot about slavery and race and this thing, and um, his positions are weak. So uh, I think that in terms of what he's arguing and how that fits, uh, I just, I don't know why Beck came down the way he did or has come down the way he has. I think it's because he made a calculated guess that this is what people wanted to hear more than anything else, and that's what he was going to do. But it's highly problematic because it is Lincolnian nationalism. Uh, you know, the Mayflower is the foundation of America. Really, it's Virginia. Federal Republic, no, it's that, that's what we have. I mean, that's what we should have, not some American nation. Lincoln destroyed the original republic. Federal Republic did not preserve it. He created something entirely new, and Beck just can't seem to get that. All right, so that's my take on Glenn Beck and restoring the covenant I'll see you next time on the Brian McClanahan Show. Just, oh, wait one second before I, before I end it. This is the last Brian McClanahan Show in this new format for this week. But if you want me five times in a week, of course, I do the Abbeville Institute podcast. So you can get that. That's the fifth podcast. So I do podcasts five days a week, but four on the Brian McClanahan Show, one with the Abbeville Institute. That's the new format. That's what I'm going for right now. So hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you next time.